Good evening, everybody. This is V3Cast, episode number three. My name is Steve Green. Aaron Green. And Greg Maston. All right. What's up, fellas? Uh, how are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Rock yeah. and roll whatnot. Rock and roll and whatnot. Hey, I'll drink to that. Speaking of that, what are y'all drinking? I have here, you know, I, you guys know how I love ginger beer. So I have uh, Trader Joe's version of ginger beer. And you know what? It's pretty good. I've never had it before. I decided to get it today. Not too shabby. Cheers. Not good. Man, I could spend some time in Trader Joe's. I have this uh, this thing I've been looking forward to for a while, this Forge beer. Our old band was Forge. Some people would know that. And uh, Greg always has the first access to the cool stuff, like he lives in California or New York or something. So he was able to pick up this Forge beer and, um, and get it to me. So I'm going to try it right now for the first time and see. If it lives up to the name. Is, it, is, that a, is that an ice cold beer or do you drink that room temperature, that kind? I think it's, I don't know. It's, this is cold, but I think that people drink stouts lukewarm or something, right? Greg, you would know. know yeah, that, yeah I mean, uh, it depends. I mean, in, in so Europe, good. yeah. In Europe, yeah, probably. But Americans tend to drink their beer cold. cold. You know, but got to be cold. So I'm curious go. to see. I'm curious to see your face when you take that first sip because it is a pretty strong. <laughs> it's a pretty strong one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be right. scared. Aaron might fall. Aaron might not make it through this episode. <laughs> um, by by the look great. on your face, that's an aggressive beer. It's yeah. I don't know. Hold on a second. Let me. Got to give it a good fair chance no it's got a good name but it's got this like chocolatey flavor what's that wrong sounds, with that? that sounds interesting it's not my thing man <laughs> it could Aaron, be. aaron's like hey keep your snickers bars out of my beer okay <laughs> yeah i don't know man <laughs> coffee flavor too yeah what's wrong with that I like my coffee in the morning and my beer at night. And Man, you got to open your mind, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have, Greg? I have uh, IPA. Big surprise. It's a collaboration, Three Floyds with Pig Destroyer, which is a grindcore band. And it's called Permanent Funeral. Man, look how good that can art is. All of your beers, Greg, have the best can art. Well, what was last week? The tiki stuff, right? That was awesome. Yeah. Three Floyds doesn't mess around with their label art. That's for sure. Man, that's fantastic. Pretty sweet. <clears throat> cool. And it's a good beer. Cheers. <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys because I just watched it and uh, I know we all have a love of a deep love of Star Wars. I watched the Book of Boba Fett trailer, and uh, I cannot wait for it to come out. Um, I looked, and it's uh, December 29th, of course, on Disney+. Plus. Um, but the trailer looked amazing. Have you guys seen this? Yes. Looks awesome. Of course. Why would I be wearing this hoodie if I hadn't seen it, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's crazy because it's like a 30-year wish fulfillment for all the all the kids who were bummed to see Boba Fett go out like a punk in Sarlacc and uh, 
people wished for decades for him to come back. And it was like, well, it's never going to happen. I remember telling friends, it's never going to happen. Just stop writing that in your head. But then, you know, uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni come along and say, we're going to grant your wish. Here you go. That's right. It's never too late. Right. We all thought he was getting slowly digested over a thousand years, but apparently something else happened. We don't know, but probably this will tell us. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you brought this up, Aaron, because one of the things I tell my brother all the time, and if you you guys have met my brother, you know how obsessed he is with Boba Fett. He has a Boba Fett tattoo. Yep. Yeah. So like one of one of the things I always tell my brother is he's like the weakest bounty hunter. He gets (laughs) killed by like a blind Han Solo. That's true. (laughs) I mean, how good of a bounty hunter can you be if a blind guy can somehow best you? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I told my brother. All these years, and 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 secretly, I also like Boba Fett, you know. But because my brother is obsessed with him, I feel a need to take him down a peg or two. Right. Right. So I always, I always sort of, you know, make fun of Boba Fett in front of him. Right. But like, you're right. You know, with Favreau sort of executive producing this series, you know, it's going to finally you know, give people that, that version of Boba Fett that like my brother envisions in his mind, you know? Right. I mean, the Mandalorian already established that, you know, to, to really give us what we always wanted to see with him. And now it's just going to be all day, every day, you know? And I will not, I will not deny that he is the, I mean, in terms of costume design, he was the best. Yeah, you know what I mean, and that and that's really what drove everybody to love him as a character is his right. costume. Right, you know, he didn't right. have to do or say anything really. And, and, and the and way Jared, his lack of dialogue was very cool, right. right? Right. Yeah, and it's just like the way Jeremy Bullock stood, and you know, every, everything about him was cool. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like he's yeah. just. But yeah, I think we'll finally get. Uh, and I and I like I like the new guy that's playing him too, obviously. But um, you know, I'm a I'm a Jeremy Bullock guy. I'm old school, right? Yeah. Well, the cool thing is that this is like a medium school uh, consistency because that actor is the guy who played Boba Fett in um, in the prequels. So, yeah, Tim- so Tamora Morrison. Yeah. So he's been playing him now for over 20 years so yeah and he was also the voice of the father in moana just just saying it's very very cool stuff (laughs) that's if you count the prequels you guys count those i don't know i mean you have to count them you have to count them if you're because tomorrow morrison (laughs) is the boba fett guy so he that's what was established in the in the prequel so it's just the way it is now it's all canon one thing i will tell everybody about steve in particular is no matter what criticism you levy against star Wars, Steve will find a way to explain it in a way that makes you think that it was all calculated. Well, I I think Aaron also does that. I think we both do that. (laughs) I remember a lot of conversations in the van where I was like, yeah, but what about this? And Steve will find some way to explain it. (laughs) Some major major plot hole and Steve will find a way to fill it. Like, yeah, like in the universe, like not just, well, production ran short or something. No, 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 no. It'll be an answer that literally was in that universe and how, you know, justified something or whatever. We spent our whole whole childhood doing that, just coming up with theories and explanations. (laughs) No, but uh, one cool thing about... um, 
how you were talking about Greg about how the book of Boba Fett's going to uh, give us the version of Boba Fett that we always wanted, and Aaron added that the Mandalorian, you know, already started down that path. To me, um, when I first saw Episode One of the Mandalorian, I, I knew right away that this was going to be off the hook, the best thing since the original trilogy, and it has delivered on that every single episode. It's so cool. They even had one. I forgot the name of the episode, but it takes place on that prison ship. And Bill, it's when they first introduce Bill Burr's character, it's yeah. basically like a horror slash Star Wars episode, especially toward the end, the way it's shot and lit and kind of edited. Like Star Wars never went down that path before, and it didn't seem contrived or weird or out of place either. Somehow they made it just all smooth and work, and you were just into it on the edge of your seat. Couldn't wait to see who was going to get next is so cool. Yeah. Is that the fam- is that the famous episode where the crew members in the background, <laughs> if you watched it, like, remember that's that? Late. That's later. Oh, um, right. And he's oh, got okay. like jeans on, right. Or something like that. Yeah. I think I saw the still of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's that episode or not. I'm not sure. That's later. But okay. they edited him out. He's gone. Don't worry about it anymore. Greg, he's gone. <laughs> nice. Hey man, I like that stuff. Yeah. I, I would prefer to leave him in there. <laughs> yeah, once Steve they could, got, once Steve they could got develop wind of that. a backstory for that guy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. Steve would explain why that guy was on that ship because <laughs> he was some sort of like interdimensional time traveler or something. Yeah. Right. Once uh, Lucasfilm got wind of that, they're like, oh, "Open up that file. Right. Rotoscope that guy out. Resave yeah. it. Reupload yeah. it. We're good." And which <laughs> and which member of Industrial Light and Magic was in charge of editing that scene, and I need to have him in my office for a minute. Exactly. we got to have a little talking to. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's only um, one official trailer that I noticed, but then there's like this other video that I saw that kind of uh, compiles some scenes. Uh, Did you guys check that one out at all? It's kind of like uh, it shows one major thing to me that uh, definitely stood out was it showed um, Boba Fett in like a Bantha tank, like really close up, like healing um, right at the very oh, beginning. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I saw that scene. Yeah, and now that wasn't in like the Disney trailer that, that, that I noticed. So somehow, I don't know, it might be a second trailer or it might, I don't know, I don't know where they would get that footage from if it wasn't something official, but it didn't look like it was like a normal trailer to me, more like a compilation of clips or something. That was the same kind of tank that Luke was in, right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. And, and even Darth Vader in, um, Rogue One, they showed him in that for a second. That's kind of like popped up throughout star Wars, you know, throughout the years. And, but that was interesting. So, you know, he gets found, he escapes what happens. And then he's in the tank healing for a bit. Apparently. I mean, this is where my mind's going. Who knows if it's twisted. So we get book of Boba Fett on December 29th. And when I watched the Mandalorian season three trailer, it just said 2022 is the way. So we don't know exactly when, but I can't wait for both, man, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I got to give a shout out real quick because we met some cool uh, cats. Um, Well, first they were out in L.A. with us, but we didn't know it uh, at the New York Ninja premiere. But then they reached out. And uh, had us on their podcast, which is called Two Dollar Late Fee, and they sent us a box of goodies, and we got it last week. So I have their T-shirt on. Nice. 
There you go. <laughs> yeah, I got my T-shirt, but I wasn't going to, you know, I, I don't want to be that kid in school that wears the same shirt as everybody, you know, so. <laughs> That's I'll important, man. A, I'll wear mine in a different episode so they get more mileage out right. of it. But yeah, those guys, that interview was, was great. Like those guys, <laughs> you know, as much as we know, they know 100% more, <laughs> it seems like. Oh, deep yeah. dive knowledge, man, for sure. Those yeah. guys really, really know their stuff. Well, although, in all fairness, according to Dustin's own words, he usually doesn't know, but but Zach really knows, I guess, right? That's their kind of like dynamic. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> we got, and, and we had Zach, right? So we were, we were up against it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Too bad we didn't have Dustin. Then we would have won every prize. <laughs> yeah. Aaron came through for us. So I remember that. That's right. We still, we still did pretty well. We yeah. sure did, man. Yeah. Right. When I was like, uh, uh, like a deer in the headlights, Aaron came in with the very correct answer. He was like, I got it. Bam. I'm like, Oh, thanks Aaron. Thank God. <laughs> you don't give away too many spoilers. That's on their Patreon. You know, they want you to they want that's, you to go check that out. That's right. That's <laughs> no right. Spoilers. Yeah. So go check yeah, out the Steve, $2 you know late fee. Checking it out. That's right. That's right. We're just checking it out. So you should go check out the $2 late fee podcast. Now, uh, our next bit of business is our news. We always have to be giving you a little bit of Voyager 3 news. And uh, <clears throat> first, we have to all say a humongous thank you to everybody who bought a whole bunch of stuff on our Black Friday sale. Um, we uh, definitely shipped a lot of New York Ninja CDs and cassettes out, so thank you to everybody for that, for sure. As a matter of fact, the, uh, the Plutonium Killer Green cassette is sold out now. Um, there's a low number of Vengeance Red cassettes left, so if you want one of those, you have to act fast. I think there's probably like 25 left or so. Um, and since it's getting cold outside, Aaron, is it cold outside today? It is very cold and super windy. That's right. In Michigan, yeah, it's miserable. Yes, indeed. So we have two flavors of hooded sweatshirt now uh, of New York Ninja. The zip-up hoodie has the Voyager 3 logo on the front and the Sketch Ninja on the back. And the pullover hoodie has the Sketch Ninja on the front. So get you one or both. At Voyager. I'm getting one. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron's getting one. I'm at, getting uh, one. V-O-Y-A-G-3Rstore.com. All right. Our next order of business is music. You know, we make music, we listen to music, we love music. Right, Greg? Yeah, man. So I thought it'd be cool to take a little step back in time and come up with, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot to choose from, um, but what are your three favorite records from the 1990s it's a lot of genres a lot of albums some bands put out two albums you know or more during that decade so um you know it doesn't mean that they're your only favorites of course but give me give me three and maybe if you have a little anecdote or a little tidbit or a story about that record go ahead who wants to go first <laughs> um all right so I started, uh, you can never go wrong with Beastie Boys. This is ill communication. Greg, didn't Man, I tell Steve, you? Steve, you called it. I, Steve I told called you. it. He knew you were going to pull the Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, Beastie Boys have been part of my life since I was uh, 11 years old. And um, I've loved, I love 
every album they ever put out. Um, they, they were kind of part of my introduction to punk rock. Uh, I already knew rap when they came out, but when I discovered that they were a punk band when they started, uh, that kind of, I was already only getting into punk a little bit, but it was like, that was part of the discovery. But also just, they carried me through all the 90s into the 2000s. Um, whenever I hear Beastie Boys, I think of my old summer camp, among many other experiences I've had. I've seen them live a bunch of times, but um, they were really special uh, to, my, to a bunch of people at my old summer camp. And, and it was always a huge big deal because their albums would always come out in the summer. So um, at least in the 90s. So it was always a big deal when a new Beastie Boys album came out because then we'd be trying to like figure out the lyrics, which was not easy to do. I'm still, to this day, um learning or picking up on lyrics that they put out 30 something years ago um i so definitely yeah, that, hear that you know and for for me too it's like one extra step is you may have known what they're saying but in being 20 or so years wiser now you know what they were talking about you know right. what i mean like you were like right. oh oh that's what that means okay cool <laughs> yep absolutely um which one did one, you hold up aaron that was ill communication and i could have chosen the glare i could have chosen any beastie boys album from that um that decade but um, paul's boutique come out in the 90s that was 89 right Uh, i I might even prefer check your head to this one but it doesn't matter because you just can't go wrong this has sure shot on it and um does that have root down on it root down it has sabotage Come, yeah, on, come on, man. Come That's on. I know. I yeah, know. It's a, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> There's only uh, can't mess it? with that. 20 songs on this thing. So you just can't go wrong with it. Um, another one is Wig, who's one of my all-time favorite bands from oh, Ann yeah. Arbor, Michigan. Local band. Local band. Yes. They, uh, we, we hero worshipped them, and they knew it. We were, not a fr- we were not shy to tell them that we looked up yeah. to them and we, and we yeah. loved them. We gush around them. Definitely Voyager 3, guitar-wise, is heavily influenced by Shergan, uh, the guitarist from Wig. Uh, I'll admit that. I'm never afraid to admit my influences. But um, they're an amazing, they were an amazing band. Um, they never got as big as they should have. But the one thing about this album is anyone I've ever played it for, any friend I've ever met, I actually happened to say, hey, check this out in the car or whatever, they always loved it. First listen, they always loved it. So um, this this is this one is called Wireland. It was a, they had two major label releases on Island Records, um, and this was just a masterpiece. It's amazing. Oh yeah, and then I love those albums. We we'll skip ahead a little bit to the late '90s to Clutch, Elephant Riders. This was the first album I I got into from Clutch because. By the way, Clutch. Um, <laughs> I um, I'd heard them a little bit, and I knew a lot of people who liked them, but there was something about them that didn't click with me. I'd heard them a bunch of times at different venues when we were setting up to play or after we played. I'd hear Clutch anywhere in Ohio we played. I'd hear them in Michigan. They were, they were already big, but I couldn't dig it. And, um, but one day uh, we were playing. We had played in Dayton, Ohio. We, we hit it off with the band we played with called 44. We stayed at one of, one of the guys from 44 had a party at their house. We stayed there that night. I, woke, we, I slept on the floor. Um, and early Sunday morning, uh, kind of drifting in and out of sleep, somebody put on Elephant Riders on the stereo and cranked it. 
And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. It was the perfect thing to wake up to. Dayton, Ohio is a great place, a cool, it's South, Day- it's South Ohio, so it's almost in Kentucky, and it's like almost, you know, and um, hearing Clutch at that moment, at that time, feeling good, like the, you always felt good when you play a show after the show the next morning, you're, you're living that life where we were about to head back to Michigan. Hearing Clutch that day, Elephant Riders, it was just perfect, and I was like, what is this? What album is this? And they told me. And I got it when we got home that day. So, yeah, those three. I mean, I could have picked, you know, 20 others, but um, let's go with those three for the 90s. Those are really impactful albums for me. Aaron, those are solid, man. Those are three that I I forgot about, sort of. (laughs) Not, I don't ever forget about the Beastie Boys, but I just wouldn't have thought to pick it. Yeah, there you go. How about you, Greg? I'm going next. Sure, why not? All right. I'm going to start off. I'm going to try to go in order of importance to me. So I'm going to start with this one. Corrosion of Conformity Blind. Love that record. Nice. Everybody talks about deliverance. This one is the one that that really sort of, you know, Corrosion of Conformity was always on my radar, you know, because it was punk. You know, I always thought of them. You think about that, that helmet icon with like all the points sticking out of it so i always sort of considered them a punk band and then this album came out and totally flipped the script right like all of a sudden they were like one of the better technical metal bands and i was just like how did they manage to do this you know and the drum i i will say the drumming by reed mullen on this record like i said everybody talks about deliverance and deliverance is great but the drumming you know, because I'm a drummer, Reed Mullen is just crushing it on this record. May he rest. So, yeah, rest in peace. Uh, but so I'm starting off with Corrosion of Conformity Blind, which I think is, if you haven't heard it, man. Did seriously. you get to see him on that tour, Greg or Aaron? I think, Aaron, you were at <laughs> camp, but. Um... I feel like I did see him on that tour. Like the, it, this album between all of our friends, like Jeff, Jeff and Scout and colin and all my friends man this this was unanimous like nobody nobody disliked this record even scout and he's like the most finicky right right (laughs) so corrosion of conformity blind i can still listen to it today and and it's just as fresh and the drumming is still just as impressive as it was it's amazing yeah so my next one i actually own this on vinyl thanks to my friend jeff so clandestine by entombed uh a lot of people will talk about left hand path, but to me, they peaked with clandestine. We didn't find out till much later that, that, uh, Nick Anderson actually did the vocals on this record. It was no LG. So some people sort of count that against this record, but there's a song on here. I think it's chaos breed. Heaviest breakdown ever. Heaviest breakdown <laughs> ever written. Like you get to the middle of chaos breed. If you've heard something heavier than that, I, I, I don't believe it because <laughs> it's just one note. It's just one note and it's the heaviest note you've ever heard. And then they just, they put a groove around it. It's so it's mind blowing. Nice. Anyways, that record untouchable in my opinion, you know, there'll be some diehards that are going to tell me left hand path is better. I, I hear you, but this is my record clandestine. 
There you go. And then the, the creme de la creme of the 90s. Skinny Puppy, Too Dark Park. Tight. There will never, there will never be an industrial album better than this. I don't care what anybody says. It's the industrial music could have ended at that point because they just blew everybody out of the water. It's the weirdest, scariest, darkest industrial record you'll ever listen to. Yeah. And coincidentally, coincidentally, when this was coming out was right around the transition from tapes to CDs and everybody started all the, you know, everybody's talking about CDs and how clear the quality is and how much better, you know, and how perfect the recordings are when you listen to them on CD. So the very first CD I ever bought was this one. This is the very first CD I've ever owned and I would never get rid of it. That's <laughs> nice. So, that's it. That's my top three. Skinny Puppy, Too Dark Park is untouchable in the industrial realm. Yeah, it really in the in the <laughs> any album, it's untouchable. But I do have some honorable mentions. I got two of them. One of them is Mashuga, Destroy, Race, Improve, which I think sort of set the bar for what was going to happen in metal coming up. Yeah, definitely. You know, you talk about bands like Gojira and some of the, the other, you know, really heavy stuff that started to happen later on. Mashuga with Destroy, Erase, Improve, that album is flawless. It, and, it, and it created that genre. Uh, and then the other honorable mention, because I'm a diehard thrash fan, and I actually have the hat, for those of you who recognize it, The Haunted... The Haunted self-titled record is one of the best burner thrash records right up there with Rain and Blood in my book. So that's it. I haven't heard The Haunted in a very, very long time. I'm going to have to revisit that. That self-titled record is untouchable. What do you got? Um, Okay, I have a a collection here. Super solid picks, by the way, Greg. Now I have to go listen to all this stuff and uh, remember how much I like that stuff. You won't but be sorry. I know it. Um, okay, so I have three. The This is no particular order or anything like that, but um, the first one would be uh, Death, uh, the album Human, which came out in October of 1990. Um, I think we all of us liked Death before that album came out, but when Human came out, it it just totally turned everything on its ear. I mean, they 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 mixed jazz like Chuck Schuldiner mixed jazz, you know, jazz fusion basically with with uh, death metal. Um, Paul Masvidal on guitar and Sean Reinhart from uh, Sean Reinhart. That's right. May he rest too. Jeez, man. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Jeez, I know. Sad. But uh, those guys from Cynic brought this whole other flavor. Um, and I also know for sure that uh, Sean Reiner was a Bill Bruford fan because on Cynic's uh, debut album, he had all the um, Simmons drums going. So uh, kudos to him. But yeah, when uh, when Human came out, at first I didn't even know what I was hearing. I had to listen to it three, four times to kind of wrap my head around what the heck was going on. It was so different. Like maybe now people might listen and go, what, what do you mean? It's, it's just a death record. But you have to understand that at 1990... There was nothing like that 
that I had ever heard, or probably most people had ever heard. It was totally new, and uh, it took a minute to digest it, and then I, it instantly became my absolute favorite uh, death album. I think we were just talking about that, Aaron. Like, well, which death album is your favorite? And I, I, I called Human for sure. Same here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, death is death is interesting because if you talk to somebody like Jeff Uberti, you know, he's very much into the leprosy and like spiritual bloody healing, gore. scream bloody gore, spiritual healing, you know, up till about leprosy. Was leprosy the one before? That was second. Like, scream bloody gore, second, leprosy, okay. and then spiritual healing. Okay, yeah. So spiritual healing into into um you know, the one you're talking about, like it's two different schools of, of thought on death, you know, like for him, right. once they went technical like that, he sort of lost interest. So right. him and I talked about seemed, that before. Yeah. There seem to be two different schools of death fan out there. You know, you either like the early stuff or you like, you know, the, the, the crazy prog stuff, you know? And I remember Steve, when you, when you convinced me to really sort of get back into them, you know, I, I was well-versed in the stuff that I had been exposed to by Jeff and I had no idea that they had taken that turn for like, you know, the, the super progressive. And, and what was that show we went to at Harpo's you and I, and we stood up on the, the lighted floor. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was the symbolic tour. So that they had Gene Hoglin on drums at that point. Yeah. So that was I mean, also that, a killer record. Just, yeah. Just a totally different band than, than the first, three you know totally different yeah yeah for sure and as a matter of fact when when human came out i tell this story every once in a while but when human came out i skipped school to go to that concert and uh it was at todd's which is at seven and van dyke it's not there anymore i think the last i saw it was a u-haul place now unfortunately but uh i skipped school drove there got there super early before even any of the band got there and uh, just kind of hung out in my car, listened to Death on Cassette. And then finally this uh, U-Haul pulled up with uh, crew guys and they're unloading Marshall cabs and everything. So uh, here I am, a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed high school kid. And uh, I, I say, hey, do you guys need any help? And they go, yeah, why not? Just, you know, carry this. So I remember I was helping them out and the owner of, uh, I don't know if he was the owner or not, but he was like the promoter. But uh, everybody knows Roosevelt. He was uh, he's the guy who did Blondies as well. And I yeah. remember he kind of stopped me. I think maybe he thought I was trying to get in for free or something like that. But I'm like, nope, dude, I got my ticket. You know, so, he, you know, I think then I think he was cool with me. Um, so I was hanging out inside uh, Todd's the whole day. Got to meet the band. Even got to strum on Chuck's BC Rich Stealth because uh, I, I never forget this. That he got this... Uh, this new Moss Valve head, uh, like shipped to that venue from the company. Um, and the tech had to test out the, uh, setup to hook it up. So he goes, Hey, do you know how to play guitar? And I'm like, uh, a little bit. I was just strumming and, and just doing whatever, some palm mute stuff and everything. And he, and he was setting, uh, setting the amp up. Uh, and I was providing some signal for him. It was very cool. And I met the guys, got autographs, chatted for a bit, even went with a, um, a production person, kitty corner across the street to the KFC to help uh, grab all the food for them for that night. It was just a super cool evening. I got to hear um, the sound check was Vacant Planets, so I got to hear Vacant Planets twice that night. 
super excellent experience. And then uh, my second record pick would be, uh, I'm totally going to flip it here, but uh, believe it or not, Delight, World Click, came out in 1990. Phenomenal record. Uh, I, w- I listened to it all the time around when it came out um, on cassette. And then for many years, didn't listen to it uh, at all. But about four years ago or so, I went uh, over to a record store uh, over here in the, the Detroit area, um, Melodies and Memories on Gratiot. And uh, they had a used copy of it. And I'm like, oh man, I haven't heard this thing in forever. So I, I bought it and and I've been listening to it quite frequently since then, kind of remembering it or kind of rediscovering it. It's such a great record. The low end on it is phenomenal. The DJ choices of like the samples and the, and the beats put together, super cool and tasty. Even now, it, it, I think it held up really great and her vocals obviously very good um hey hey long before you move on to your third because i want to keep everybody in suspense um (laughs) another record that i that occurred to me that that is personal to the three of us is um and nobody picked it so i want to mention it is uh the prodigy remember that record yeah yeah didn't that come out in the 90s totally it did yeah yeah do you know yeah, we, we remember that night trying to drive out of New York City, and we thought that we could just drive out of New York City and find some cheap hotel within, you know, half hour. And uh, <laughs> we ended up staying up till about five or six in the morning, and Aaron and I were losing our minds. And the only thing that kept us awake and on the road was uh, was the prodigy. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. When Steve brought up delight, I was like, well, we did listen to some other stuff that people might not expect, you know, but that yeah. prodigy record was no joke. That was high energy. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it was really slamming for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll let you, I'll let you move on. That's another one. See, I'm glad we had this discussion because now I, I have like three or four records where I'm like, oh yeah. And so I'm going to be either hitting them up on, Spotify, or I probably own some of those um, as well. I have to dig them out and uh, listen to them again. I bet but, you uh, I have that Prodigy CD. Oh, I'm sure you yeah. do. Definitely. I do. Yeah, I never owned it. I think I just listened to your guys' ones. I'm pretty sure. I don't think I ever owned that one. But you know what? That guy passed away too. One of the guys from the Prodigy. Yeah. I, 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 I don't remember what his name was now, but it's ridiculous. I didn't realize that talking about uh, some favorite 90s albums would also remind you that a lot of these people are not with us anymore man it's pretty crazy yeah it's a bummer yeah but uh my third choice for this uh three records from the 90s uh challenge it's not really a challenge but um i I talk about this band quite frequently um that that they are still in my rotation to this day uh many 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 years later i still listen to them all the time uh but the band handsome uh, which uh, they were from New York City, and they was it was almost like a super group uh, because it had Tom Capone from Quicksand, it had Peter Mengate from Helmet, it had uh, Pete Hines who was in um, Chromags for a little bit. Uh, Basis was Eddie Nappy. I don't think he did anything you know super high profile before Handsome that I that I know of or can remember. Uh, and then the singer uh, Jeremy um, was in. I think he did Jets to Brazil after Handsome, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, but pretty much, you know, very, very 
set up for success type of band because it had a bunch of big names uh, right out of the gate. But they had um, one major label album, self-titled, and it is absolutely incredible. I think it's one of, I mean, I don't think it's one of, I think it's the most underrated rock album of the whole entire 90s by far. Um, it was produced by Terry Date. A lot of people know Terry Date from like Pantera and uh, Deftones and just a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and another little cool thing is uh, all Rick Wilde did like engineering and like some like low level stuff back then. That was one of his like getting started gigs, believe it or not. And now he's, he went on to do tons of big bands, like including a Pantera record and static X and a whole bunch of other stuff. I think even a white zombie album. So he's uh, you know, a very big producer in his own right, but that was one of his first kind of starting out gigs. He was like an assistant to Terry date, but uh, th this record, every single song from front to back is incredible and I, I was fortunate enough to see them live every single time they played detroit it was incredible it, it still is an incredible record it got reissued too um four or five years ago um i can't remember maybe music on vinyl but you, you but just google it and you'll see some company put out um that album again on vinyl because it never came out on vinyl originally because it was during that era of time 97 is when it came out that almost nobody had uh, anything vinyl at that time it was always cd but uh that's one of my absolute favorite rock records of all time no doubt yeah it's great good picks. if you haven't heard it and you've never heard of handsome go go find it it's good that's right really that's good right dig it now aaron you had a cool um idea go ahead and uh and mention what what idea you had for this oh just um top album of 21 um i always like to force myself to pick something as an exercise in discipline and like you see that greg is not very good at that because he had three picks and then he did yeah, two honorable not, mentions then he comes, <laughs> two honorable mentions then he comes back in during steve's he's like let me sneak another one in there and that's that's great <laughs> but but you know so I, it's our I top mean, three and greg's top six yeah, yeah exactly man. like there's a lot of good music out there you guys I know it's hard to choose no, no, that's not the case. There's a such thing as pick a top five, right? And that's like I can't cool do it, Aaron. for I its can't own do reasons. It. And then there's Stop a pick trying one. To make me do it. My um, top pick. I won't even tell you about like my process of figuring it all out and eliminating these other bands. I listened to a bunch of great stuff this year. This was a really good year for music. A lot of COVID albums coming out this year. Um, but um, if I had to pick one. Yeah, the new Mastodon album, Hushed and Grim, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, there's a lot of variation on the album, a lot of, um, you know, they do the heavy stuff, but they also have a lot of uh, more subtle moments on this album, which they've been doing for the last bunch of albums. But um, there's really something about this album that, that uh, they do some things, for instance, on the album that I've never heard any band do. Like, there's some riffs on there where I'm like, how do you even come up with a riff like that? So yeah, I would, I would have to say um, that's my favorite album. Um, now I'm going to break my own rule because I also love Andrew WK's God is partying album this year. Oh yeah. I, I remember love, hearing a couple tracks from that and it was like way heavier than you thought Andrew WK would ever be. And I, I, I did enjoy that. It was cool. Yeah. That's his, it's his heaviest album. And it's also pretty insane because I think it's really, He's talking mostly, most of the album is about like breaking up with his wife. So that brings up these crazy, you know, feelings for, for an artist, all these things to have to process. Um, 
what's the uh, the third one was um oh the gojira album the latest gojira album was great amazing um it's uh like a sort of a bridge between their older heavier stuff their newer more commercial stuff but it's it's kind of kind of bridging those two worlds so yeah but overall mastodon if i had to pick nice now i i uh i used to love like crack the sky and the one after that one and then i kind of just they kind of fell off my radar for you know no particular reason so you know the beautiful thing about that is that it's always there for you to listen to so now that you mentioned that you kind of refreshed my uh my my keenness for mastodon because i did love that era i saw them uh, at the crowfoot uh, on that yeah. tour on crack the sky tour it was, it was excellent yeah that, that that's an amazing album that might be my favorite well maybe of theirs but um yeah the, all this stuff is great all the stuff they've been doing you should check it out yeah I, I unfortunately i didn't listen to a lot of new stuff this year i don't know why that would be it was like just the mode i was in or uh, lack of time I, i'm not really sure what the reasoning is of, for that um uh, but I did, I did pick one. Um, it almost, it, it's almost like a, a default pick in a way because, uh, a lot of people who know me know how much I love quicksand. So I had to pick their album from this year, which is called distant populations. Um, it's good. It's, it's not, uh, it's not my absolute favorite one by them, but you know, it, it doesn't have to be, but from what I heard this year, um, that one definitely stands out for me. So quicksand distant populations for sure that's a great album love it what about you greg were you able to force yourself or, <laughs> yeah. so a, i'm gonna i'm gonna preface this by saying that i probably didn't buy a lot of 2021 records um but one that i did buy is by a guy that will be totally obvious to everybody so i'm just gonna by default choose this as my 2021 record I thought it was going to be zombie, but I realized that came out in 2020. Uh, you know, so that's what I was going to choose, but I realized that that wasn't timely enough. So uh, I'm going to go with Lost Themes 3, Alive After Death, Mr. John Carpenter. Oh, yeah, that's right. They did. He did put another one out this year on um, Sacred Bones, right? I'm pretty sure. Yep. Yep. And it's always good. I'll take anything he puts out and uh, it might be kind of cliche to say that, but I still think that everything he puts out is good. Yeah. He has a certain kind of a, a new palette, if you will. Cause if you listen to, you know, the classic stuff, the Halloween's, the escape from New York and other ones of that time, it has a certain character to it. It's, it's a lot of profit five and some other stuff um, of that era. And when he puts out stuff now, it has a totally kind of a new, like I, I kind of see sometimes music in colors, not all the time, but sometimes. And to me, it's like a whole new set of crayons. I mean, and it literally is that because he's using modern gear. He probably has Prophet 6 or maybe the well, new sure. Prophet 5. So it's just like a, a whole other, you know, set of tools. So that these have their own kind of sonic identity and they're different from the classic, but they're still very cool and just different from that from the other stuff not just that but he's doing you know you know his son cody is involved and that that guy daniel davies is involved so yeah i don't know there's it seems to have more of like a band vibe to me and definitely like 
you said, it's it sounds different for John Carpenter, which I like. Yeah. And I just I don't know. I didn't buy a whole lot of like modern twenty twenty one records, so this is what I'm going with. I you, you guys know me. All I'm buying is old soundtracks, pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I just got I just got gremlins on vinyl. I mean that that's sort of where I'm at. Right. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with John Carpenter. Nice. Sweet man. How do you yeah. like that, Aaron? Lost Themes three. I'm glad you actually chose something from this year. I know you were trying to do a freaking reissue. <laughs> right, like, well, right. this is uh, what was the one you wanted to do? Uh, was it Gremlins? No, I don't know. It was some no, reissue. That's, that, not a, that's not a reissue. Yeah, but, I, I actually found an OG copy of that. But uh, man, well, there's if, a million. Of if if we're gonna do reissues, then I would have picked Orange Nine Millimeter. Pretend I'm human. For no, sure. that's, no, that's, that, that's my pick. That's my pick. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're good too. <laughs> Man, which by the way, I'm still waiting on that. I know that they've had a little bit of uh, the, uh, the the record company that's putting that out has had a little bit of manufacturing delays. Not their fault, um, but I'm patiently waiting. And when I finally get my copy of Pretend I'm Human, I'm going to enjoy it so much. Yeah. I'm going to blast I remember it. what it was, Aaron. What? The Running Man. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. I mean, that's it's an amazing so good. Awesome. It's, it's so, so good. good. But it's oh, yeah. from 1987. It isn't, though. It just came out. <laughs> I just got it. <laughs> Dig I'm it. counting it. <laughs> All right, so what a what a killer episode, man. Let's, uh, let's recap it. We talked about the Book of Boba Fett and how cool the trailer looked, and uh, which also segues us right into how great season three of the Mandalorian is going to be. So we have a lot of stuff to look forward to for this uh, winter time and into the spring. Uh, I'm just guessing it's going to be spring, but whenever Mandalorian comes out next year, um, we uh, definitely have to say thank you to everybody who's continuing to buy uh, the New York Ninja score from us. Uh, thank you. You guys are keeping us running to the post office almost every day. Um, we really appreciate it. And uh, we discussed our favorite three albums from the 90s, or for Greg Six. <laughs> and and we, we, uh, we uh, put a spotlight on our favorite record of 2021. Um, so again, we definitely have to say thank you and uh, make sure to visit the Voyager 3 store, V-O-Y-A-G-3-R-Store.com. Uh, and uh, get yourself a, a copy of the New York Ninja Blu-ray too from Vinegar Syndrome. So that way you can see uh, the film as well as hear the soundtrack. So that, that there you have it. Uh, does anybody I else have a anything? Second copy. Oh, did I you really? A second copy of New York Ninja. Man, Gre nice. Greg's our biggest supporter yeah. <laughs> of ourselves. No, I bought I bought the Blu-ray, man. I'm supporting Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah, I hear you for sure, man. Yeah. That's awesome. And I and I got a shirt. Uh, which one the black i love new york ninja or a vinegar syndrome shirt that's a, no that's right i love new york ninja very cool you gotta support those guys man yep. you got that right because uh you know they might need us to do another film soon who knows i hope <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope all right well this let's has... play some shows in 2022 i know yes. i can't wait to get back on stage for sure we will J just don't you worry so this has been V3Cast, episode three. We'll see you guys again soon.